Hello, and welcome to the Legion Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, I'll be discussing the Legion of Superheroes for DC Comics. This is Legion Spotlight number three, and we're going to continue our look at the early Legion of Superheroes stories with some stories from 1961 and 1962. Next up is Superman number 147 in the Legion of Supervillains. This was published in August 1961. It was written by Jerry Siegel. We got art by Kurt Swan. It's a 10-page story, and that includes a first page that's predominantly one of the uh, title splashes or whatever that's representative of what the story is like, but not part of the story itself. Although these events in it uh, pretty much do take place. Anyways, this is set, obviously, during the time frame when the original Legion of Superheroes stuff is coming out. But in my mind, it's part of a different Legion era of what I would term the the adult Legion. And I don't mean like adult material type Legion, but the Legion as adults. And as such, I'm kind of saying for a key event, it's the first adult Legion story. But the the real key event here is it's the first appearance of the Legion of Supervillains. And the basic story here is Lex Luthor is in prison, and he's been theorizing for years since he was a boy that if there's a, a legion of superheroes in the future, there must be a legion of supervillains as well. So he calls them to get help getting out of prison, and they send him a ray gun, a force field belt, and uh, a helmet, and I'm trying to think which gives him the power of flight. I guess it's an anti-gravity belt, and the helmet must be creating the shield or something. It's a little, yeah, that's, that seems to be what's going on. But he meets up with the Legion of Supervillains, specifically Cosmic King, Lightning Lord, and Saturn Queen. And they've got, for the most part, powers you would expect from Lightning Lad, Saturn Girl, and and Cosmic Boy, with Cosmic King being the exception. He doesn't have magnetic powers like Cosmic Boy. He's instead a scientist from Venus who had developed a ray that would change the atomic structure of something trips, falls into its path, and gains the ability to change elements himself, which is a fairly lucky thing for that sort of an accident. Seems like he'd be more likely to turn into like a metamorpho type, but anyways. Now what's interesting in this story is even though it's only about 10 pages, one of which is predominantly used by the the title panel and such, we actually get flashbacks to the origin of Lightning Lord and his brother Lightning Lad, as well as Saturn Queen and Cosmic King. So they, they spend a fair amount of time there. The other thing about Cosmic King that I find fascinating is he's got that helmet that is similar to what Cosmic Boy has, but it seems like since he's from Venus, he actually needs the helmet to, to have the proper atmosphere or whatever. It's never really explained you know, why he has it, if he really needs it or not, but he's always wearing it. So... These three have broken Lex out of jail in return for him helping them destroy Superman, which of course is something he's perfectly willing to go do. So they manage to trap him in another solar system, 
in a kryptonite force screen and all looks not well, but in comes the adult legion of superheroes with Lightning Man, Saturn Woman, and I guess Cosmic Man. Do they name him as such? Yeah, they do. And in this one, we get we get the adult legion, but there's always the question of, is this really the adult version of the legion from what we've been reading and such? And if you think about it, they've already convoluted their continuity a little bit back when we had the story when Supergirl was invited to join the Legion in the Three Superheroes story from Action Comics 267, where they were saying that they were the children of the original Legion. So if this is the original Legion, then they should already be having the kids that are as the Legion, which would make this kind of confusing and such. This all comes down to they were making it up as they went along, obviously, and hadn't really solidified on things. Now, the origin we get, at least for Lightning Lord and Saturn Queen, is pretty much what becomes canonical later on with a, a minor tweak or two. I'm not sure about the origin of Cosmic King. I, I, I really, I just don't know. We'll find out as, as we get to his introduction in the kind of the proper continuity down the line. Now, all of this basically comes down to something of a draw between the two legions and such with Luthor suggesting if you're really heroes, you'd be willing to die in Superman's place. Saturn Woman offers to do that. Superman is able to convince Lex to let him go do a super feat in her honor. And he basically goes, scoops up, and I mean this literally, he's built a giant metal scoop. He scoops up some of the fragments in the rings of Saturn and puts them around this planetoid they're on. And... Basically, that causes Saturn Queen to no longer be evil because she became evil after she left Saturn. Superman's theory being that it was something about these rings, the radiation and stuff from it, that kind of canceled out their evil thoughts. So by doing it, he made her good. She then saves Saturn Woman. All is right in the world as it goes and such. Luthor does get sent back to prison. He does try again to use his device to contact the future but is intercepted by Lightning Man saying, you know, hey, the Legion of Supervillains was, was sent to jail out here, too, uh, in the future and such. So it's a fun story, and seeing Superman with the adult Legion was kind of cool. Seeing an evil version of the Legion, Legion of Supervillains, was kind of fun. But this kind of falls into that pocket of, of questionable continuity, and while these characters show up later and we get other stories of the Legion of Superheroes as adults, I kind of put that into its own bubble of continuity, and I do think later they established that these sorts of things take place on a different world, a different timeline, or something of that sort. Again, we'll get to that when we get to that. But in some of those future stories, they hint at things to come, which of course later writers realize, hmm, that's a good idea, let's actually have that happen at this point. So it's it's fun to get a future, future story, if you know what I mean. and getting, again, a couple of of key events, even if they don't happen in the main continuity, of the introduction of the Legion of Supervillains, Lex teaming up with them, some origins and stuff, including uh, an origin of of Lightning Lad kind of squeezed in there, or Lightning Man, I should say. Uh, A ton of fun, well worth uh, checking out, and something, again, that gives our first kind of branch of, of different continuity and timeline 
in the Legion, and over the decades, we're going to get a fair number of those as they have to retool the Legion's backstory and timeline, given changes they make to Superman's backstory and continuity over the years. So once again, that's the Legion of Supervillains from Superman number 147. Next up is Adventure Comics number 290 with The Secret of the Seventh Superhero. This is written by Robert Bernstein with art by George Papp. It was published in November 1961. It's a 14-page story that includes the title page that's evocative of what's in the story, but not actually part of the story. Now, this one's kind of interesting because at first I was thinking, oh wow, we're actually going to get our first actual adventure of the Legion doing something other than, you know, pranking Superboy or Supergirl or, you know, inducting a new member or something. But it turns out not to be the case. The basic story is just filled with contrivance after contrivance after contrivance. And I mean, they're not bad things, but it's like, come on, really? You know, we get Tom Tanner, who's broken out of reform school and who looks exactly like Clark Kent, winds up in Smallville, winds up at the Kent home, is able to impersonate Clark. And as all of that's starting to happen, Superboy has spotted a Legion time bubble. He's about to have a ro- one of his uh, robots, the Clark Kent robot, replace him and go to school in his place, but the robots aren't working because of an electrical thing that happened when the time bubble arrived. So he's got nobody to fill in for Clark as Tom Tanner is willing to take it Clark's place, thinking Clark ran away from home. All of that just kind of, you know, works out conveniently. And Sunboy appears to be back in time with a quick recap of, of him joining Legion and such, saying that six Legionnaires had come back before to hide pieces of a dangerous weapon in Superboy's time so nobody in their time could get it, but then realized eh, maybe that wasn't such a great idea, so he's there to go retrieve them, and they've got a, a vault in the future where they're going to put it. So he sends Superboy out to go get the different parts of the weapon. Superboy realizes somebody's pretending to be Clark. Lana is realizing Clark's acting out of character, tries to prove maybe he is Superboy by having uh, another classmate, you know, cut off a lock of Superboy's hair, Clark's hair. The guy's like, yeah, sure, Clark won't do anything about it. He cuts a piece of Clark's hair off, Clark decks him, because it's not Clark. And so we've got this A-plot, B-plot kind of thing going on with Tanner realizing, hmm, Clark doesn't have that bad of a life. Meanwhile, Superboy has, has gathered all the parts for uh, Sunboy. Sunboy heads back to the future, or at least pretends to. He basically doubles back and starts building this robot to have it go destroy Superboy. Meanwhile, Ma Kent has accidentally let the cat out of the bag to Tom that Clark is Superboy, thinking, well, she's talking to Clark. And Tanner decides, well, I'm going to expose Clark if, if I can't replace Clark. Because he likes this new life. Good food, good education, all that kind of stuff. So, Sunboy sends out Cyclops the robot, who's got a, like, a personality inverter ray to go invert Clark Kent's personality so he'll side with Sunboy. And it seems to work up until Superboy basically melts the robot, and he's like, what's going on? Well... Superboy then scoops Sunboy up in the time bubble, heads back to the future, reveals to the Legion, this is just some imposter who managed to duplicate Sunboy's energy and had learned about the weapon being in the past. Now, how all that happens, don't know. This is a 
pretty much a one-panel confession, expose or whatever. And it turns out that the way Superboy knew is when he shook hands with Sunboy before he left, it was a regular handshake, but uh, the Legion of Superheroes has a secret handshake. That was enough to clue him in. Now he gets back, Tom Tanner is turned good by that personality inversion ray, so he's going to go back to reform school, you know, fill out his sentence and such, and has conveniently forgotten about Superboy's secret identity. Now, there's still some kid out there, you know, Tom Tanner, who looks just like Clark. I don't know if that's ever going to come up again or not. What looked like a Sunboy adventure was really an imposter. So the Legion shows up in flashbacks in basically one panel, which is a little, I don't want to say disappointing, but not kind of what I was expecting here, thinking again, this was going to be the first actual, real adventure of the Legion, and it's not. It's still a decent story and stuff, fits in with, with kind of what's going on with storytelling of the, the era, where there's almost a slideshow aspect of what's going on, of, you know, here's a panel, here's a bunch of text to give that basic scene or whatnot. It's kind of uncommon for a scene at this point to last more than a few panels, if that long. So, again, it's kind of interesting, not what I was expecting given the cover, but, you know, it is what it is. So, once again, that's The Secret of the Seventh Superhero from Adventure Comics number 290. Next up is Action Comics number 285, Superman Presents Supergirl to the World. Now, this was released in December 1961. It was written by Jerry Siegel with art by Jim Mooney, and it's a 24-page kind of two-part story, and only a little of the second part really is relevant to the Legion, so I'm going to kind of just ignore the the first part and and focus on the the Legion involvement here. Now, it is a key event in so much as Supergirl's existence is revealed to the public back in the 20th century and such, and she gets into her first kind of public adventure where she's called in to help against this giant creature that's, that's roaming around, and they're questioning, it's like, okay, it's her first time out. Can she do the job or not? And she's got a solution for it. So what she does, goes to a scrap metal yard, puts together a mini rocket, and throws it into the future. It pops out at the time of the Legion of Superheroes. How she threw it to the future, how she got it to the right time, I have no idea, but hey, she does. And they get it, wondering if it's a weapon. They realize it's not, because Saturn Girl, with her telepathy, somehow senses it's from Supergirl. They get the message out of it. Brainiac 5 realizes what she needs. They send a time globe back that's got what she needs. Unfortunately, it gets crushed by this monster, but she's had a chance to look at it with her supervision. So still in the scrapyard, she's able to rebuild the device from memory, and it's a shrink ray. So she's able to take this huge creature and shrink it down to a manageable size and basically go put it into the Fortress of Solitude in a bottle kind of like Candor is. She then recalls the note that came along with it from Brainiac 5 saying, hey, here's the shrink ray. Sorry, I can't provide an enlarger ray for Candor, but only Brainiac himself knew how to build that. We then get a quick scene in the future of the Legion of... of and really, the only Legionnaires we're seeing here are Lightning Lad, Cosmic Boy, Saturn Girl, and Brainiac 5. But they're removing a lead plate off the base of a Supergirl statue, which they'd kept the lead plate on so Supergirl couldn't see what was written under it. 
because it revealed when she was going to get revealed to the world. And they didn't want to spoil Superman's plan to surprise her and all of that. So you could argue this isn't a pivotal issue for the Legion. They basically make a glorified cameo here. It's a big deal for Supergirl's kind of continuity and such, but it is a Legion appearance. Now, this was reprinted in the Action Comics 80 Years of Superman hardcover, so it is available there, even though they didn't include it in the Silver Age Omnibus Volume 1 of the Legion, and given how many pages it is versus how much the Legion shows up, I kind of get why they didn't include it there. But once again, that Superman presents Supergirl to the World from Action Comics number 285. Next up is Adventure Comics number 293 and the Legion of Super Traders. Now, contrary to the name, we don't actually get a Legion of Super Traders exactly, although some of the Legion does turn traitor on Superboy, but we do get another Legion here, which is kind of cool, I think. Now, the basic story here is, again, it's a Superboy story, so we focus on, you know, a day in the life of Clark and stuff. We get a quick appearance by Lana, although she doesn't really do a whole lot. But when Superboy goes out to rescue a plane that's crashing and stuff, instead, he nearly crashes it himself. He goes a little kind of mad and such. Fortunately, Crypto's there to help save the day. Superboy is kind of in and out of, is he good, is he evil? Because at one point, he almost throws Crypto into space to a green meteorite swarm to go kill him, but comes to his senses right before that. Now, he's wondering what's going on. The Legion comes in. They meet, and they've got this device, which turns out to be a, a Phantom Zone viewer, and they ask him to identify, you know, Jaxer and General Zod and Monel and such. But Monel warns them that the Legion is betraying him, and they're trying to release criminals of the Phantom Zone, which Superboy realizes just in time and smashes the device. And this is when the Legion basically turns traitor on Superboy, tries to take him down with kryptonite rays from their ring, saying they're jealous and such. Superboy calls in his robots. They come, but against Cosmic Boy's magnetic powers, they really don't stand a chance, so four of them get kind of demolished. And at this point, it's interesting, because when we first see the Legion having landed, they've got one time sphere. Yet, by the time they've demolished, or actually when they're attacking Superboy and stuff, we find out that there's two time spheres. And this comes into play a little later. What's going on is there are these aliens that have evolved themselves into uh, brains inside of floating globes, but their planet has been destroyed, and they're looking for a planet with a similar enough atmosphere they can use. Earth fits the bill. The problem is they need it to be under a purple sun, so they're in the process of moving the Earth, and they had to take out Superboy lest he stop them. Now, while they're focusing on Superboy... The, the three members of the Legion, Saturn Girl, Cosmic Boy, and Lightning Lad, are kind of freed from their influence. And they realize when Crypto comes and scatters the globes that they can't control the, the super pet, but if Crypto goes after any one of them, the other three will set off their device and destroy the Earth. So, kind of a stalemate there. But Saturn Girl realizes, ah, we just need more super animals. They hop into one of the time spheres and go recruiting. First, they go to uh, Midvale Orphanage, pick up Streaky the Supercat, owned by Supergirl. They then head off again and go to a moon of Mars where they find Super Monkey, which is a monkey that had stowed away on Kal-El's 
shipped to Earth. They recruit him, and then they had to head to Asteroid Z, where they go grab the super horse that Supergirl doesn't have yet, but hey, there's a footnote saying she'll get him soon. So they recruit them. So basically, a cat, a dog, a monkey, and a horse from Krypton, all with Kryptonian powers and capes, of course, and they use them to go battle these brain globes. They're able to do that in pretty short order, get them to realize that they can't conquer the Earth with all these super uh, pets around. And before Superboy recovers, the Legion officially names them the Legion of Super Pets, which is the animal branch of the their club, and then go send them back to their proper time zones. Saturn Girl basically says, yeah, we defeated the Globes. Can't tell you how or why, because of course that would reveal Supergirl, which Superboy doesn't know about yet. But Superboy realizes the stars aren't how they should be because the device had actually started moving the world. So he's got to go move it back. Saturn Girl apologizes for them having turned traitor, but it was the brain globes that made them do it. And Superboy heads back home. Now, his foster father, uh, Paul Kent, suggests, well, you could learn how they did it by just, you know, traveling the past or overtaking light rays from Earth and space. But Superboy realizes there must have been a good reason why Saturn Girl wouldn't tell him, and therefore he's not going to go and try to find out. Now, that bit with Super... Or, uh, not Supergirl. Saturn Girl keeping things from Superboy and him not trying to find out is something that gets revisited later, because they know his future. They can't tell him things that would cause him problems. And I do recall one storyline in the 80s where that came into play kind of big time, and it was just a ton of fun. So nice to see those seeds kind of planted this far back. This was a 14-page story, and it was less of a, a Legion adventure than really a, a Legion of Super Pets adventure. So it was kind of fun. The second time sphere was how Saturn Girl got home after Cosmic Boy and Lightning Lad had left to go take the animals back. This was, again, a, a fun story. Only about 14 pages, but they kind of had to introduce at least three of the four members of the Legion of Super Pets, because by this point we kind of had seen Crypto a time or two. All in all, fun story. So once again, that's the Legion of Super Traders from Adventure Comics number 293. Next up is Action Comics number 287 with Supergirl's Greatest Challenge. This was written by Jerry Siegel with art by Jim Mooney. It is a 14-page story. It's predominantly a Supergirl story, but the Legion does show up and plays a reasonably pivotal role, even though they don't do much. The story kind of couldn't happen without them. We start back in the modern day with Supergirl kind of joining a Superman fan club that her friends are running, meeting Lois Lane ever so briefly, and preventing her secret escape tunnel from being found, and then... She gets called to the Legion of Superheroes, so she flies forward in time, sees them. We get a little bit of a kind of quick intro to them and demonstration of a few of their powers and stuff. And all said and done, there's about maybe eight of the various Legionnaires here. Some of them are just literally standing in the panel, so they don't play pivotal roles. But they've called her in to stop this giant destructive force, the positive man, who was created through a, a science experiment gone wrong. But he's composed of positive ions and not a material object, so she can't really touch it. 
she heads off and finds the negative creature that was created at the same time from the same planet, same experiment, lures it to crash into the positive man, and positive, negative, they cancel each other out, and boom, that's it. Now granted, we're only seven pages into a 14-page story, so there's more to it than that. This is when the Legion reveals they no longer have their powers, and they're worried about a, a jump in crime if people realize that. So Supergirl is basically patrolling the city and gonna figure out how to fake their powers as needed. And she comes across a flying cat that looks a lot like Streaky, but it's not Streaky. It's Wizzy, which is the descendant of Streaky the Super Cat. has a W on the cape instead of the S, but otherwise fairly indistinguishable. Supergirl helps Cosmic Boy fake his magnetic powers at one point, some boy fake his solar radiance powers at another point, but that's when it's revealed to us, the audience, that these aren't really the Legionnaires without their powers. They're a member of a chameleon race who can disguise themselves as anything and had basically taken out the Legion while Supergirl was fighting the positive man. Now, they can fake the appearance of the Legionnaires, but not the powers, hence claiming their abilities have been wiped out by the blast. Their plan is to use a Phantom Zone ray machine that they've stolen from the Museum of Forbidden Weapons to basically trap Supergirl in the Phantom Zone. Now, why anyone would have a Museum of Forbidden Weapons to begin with, I don't know. Why they would actually put the real functional weapons Idsen Museum, I have no idea. But, hey, they did. Be a shorter story without it. So, basically, the Legion has gathered at their headquarters, and they surprise Supergirl with the Phantom Zone projector, and bam, kick her into the Phantom Zone. Now, at that point, she's able to discover what's going on with these chameleon people. And fortunately, Wizzy has telepathic powers, so she's able to get some help in the real world to get the Phantom Zone projector turned on to get her back out. She takes care of the chameleon aliens and such. She then goes, quickly saves the Legion, does a quick explanation of what's going on, and then heads back home. And thanks, uh, Streaky, for Wizzy's help. Streaky's, of course, a little confused by that. But all in all, a fun story. Uh, one of the little tidbits that was kind of cool is when she was getting signaled by the Legion, she basically had a miniature version of their headquarters that had a bell ringing inside it, which was her, you know, alert that it was there. And then there were figures of Cosmic Boy and Saturn Girl whose heads glowed when they wanted her to come to the future and such. Now, how she would explain that to her friends when they came by, I don't know, but nice little kind of tidbits and stuff. This is another case where Supergirl is flying to the future under her own power through the time barrier and not needing one of the time ships or whatever. All in all, fun story, more of a Supergirl story than a Legion story, but still gets us uh, Wizzy the Supercat, who will presumably eventually join the Legion of Super Pets that we got in the last story. Once again, that's Supergirl's Greatest Challenge from Action Comics number 287. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.